I want to talk to you this morning on new ground. We've been having this theme, and I wonder, has anybody here thought about, consciously thought about this year where you've taken new ground, where you had a dream and a goal and an aspiration? Because I really felt like it was the word of the Lord for us as a church that this will be a year we would take new ground. And I mean new ground in church. I mean new ground in growth. I mean new ground in, in just breakthroughs for our lives, new ground in terms of whatever it is you're believing God for, whether that be a job, a promotion, increase, a family, all the doom and gloom that's going on. I, I, I was away for five days in Europe and I came home and it's just like, turn the news on. It's like, it's an echo chamber. Oh, you know, interest rates are so high. Millennials and Gen Zs, they'll never be able to afford to buy a house. Look at me. I remember, how many remember when interest rates were 17%? Anybody? Amen. Now, I just want to tell you, God can bless you wherever you are, no matter what the circumstance and I just don't think we need to buy the lie and the talk of just lack of faith. God is with us. And I'm believing, God, you can take new ground this year in Jesus' name. It's in your heart to believe God to buy a home. I want to tell you, we'll believe with you and for you in the name of Jesus to buy a home. Come on, somebody. Amen. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So I was thinking about for us as a church, about we're one church in many locations. We're one house in many rooms. Amen. We've got one lead couple, but we've got many leaders. How many thank God for the great preaching team we have here at Wave Church? We've got one vision, and it's our work for all the different ministries that come out of Wave Church. We've got one heart, but many organs. We've got one Bible, but many books. Listen to this. I want to encourage everybody to see how important it is to be faithful in one day. And that one day is today. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Paul said, forget about what's behind you and press toward the prize and the mark of the high calling. But today is a big day. And I want to encourage you to understand that success in life is found in being faithful in one day. The one day is today. And if you are faithful in everyday routine and you are consistently faithful to everyday routine, I want to tell you that will build blessing and success in your life. Can anybody say amen? I, I love this. Look at this. Psalm, six, Psalm 56, verse 9. This very day I call for help. What day? Today. The tide of, sorry, the tide of battle turns. Why? Because this very day, I call for help. And the tide of battle turns. I love that thought. This day, I call to the Lord for help. And on this day that I call for the Lord for help, the tide of the battle turns. Watch, my enemies flee. This one thing I know, God is for me. Can we all say that? This one thing I know, God is for me. You didn't say it. Come on, let's all say it. Come on. This one thing. Now, you said it like I told you to say it, but now I want you to say it like you know it. Can you say it? Ready? Go. 
when everything's coming against you and everything looks like it's all going bad, you just got to know one thing, not a million things, just one thing. This one thing I know, if I call to my God, then the tide of the battle turns. Come on, somebody. The enemy flees. Why? Because I just know one thing. God is for me. Psalm 27 verse 4, one thing I ask from the Lord. This only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Listen to it. This one thing, this one thing, of all the things David could have asked for, this one thing, look at it one more time. Let's put it up on the screen. I want you to see it. This one thing I ask from the Lord. This only do I seek. I wonder if that one thing that David wrote is the one thing you're after. Because the one thing he wanted to do, to see, is to be in the house of the Lord. Of all the things you could ask for, some people might ask, Lord, I want a wife. Lord, I want a car. Lord, I want a job. Lord, I want to go to college. Lord, I want a future. But listen to David, this one thing I ask. Of all the things he could have asked for, that he may be found in the house of the Lord. I wonder if that's the most important thing in your life. Look at this. I love these verses. Look at this verse. Uh, This is Paul's wisdom. I love this. He goes, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. In other words, he's got some goals, but I press on. Everybody say press on. Oh, there's something to be said for pressing on. I press on to take a hold for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But look, look, but there's one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Come on, everybody say, I press on. Come on, say, forgetting what's behind straining toward what's ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Not a million things. I love that story of Mary and Martha. And there's Martha. I love Martha. Some people say, who would you rather marry, Mary or Martha? You know the story. Mary's the woman that chose the two sisters. And Mary said, I'm going to sit at the feet of Jesus. I'm just going to enjoy his presence. I'm going to have conversation with him. I'm going to enjoy his company. Martha, the other sister, she's incredible. She's going, I've got Jesus and the dirty dozen all in my house. And I got to get busy. And I'm trying to get all the food ready. And I'm trying to put on a spread. And I'm trying to get all the best china. And I'm trying to get all the best food. And I'm trying to make an impression on Jesus. And there is my sister. And every time I walk past, she knows how busy I am. And I'm straining and fussing. And I've got to get everything right. And Mary, she's given Mary the evil eye. Get up, Mary, you lazy girl. Why aren't you out here? You're sitting there enjoying the presence of Jesus and I'm the one doing all the work. And finally, Martha gets so mad. She says to Jesus, aren't you going to tell her to help me? Jesus looked at her and goes, Martha, Martha. Let me know when Jesus says your name twice, you're in trouble. Martha, Martha. 
You have distracted yourself. Listen to this. Some of you need to hear this. You've distracted yourself with so many things. You have overcomplicated your life. This one thing I ask, this one thing I seek, this one thing I know, Mary has chosen the better part. Because she chose to enjoy my company. She chose to be in my presence. And let me tell you, Martha, you've distracted yourself. You've lost your joy. Some people say, who would you rather be married to, Mary or Martha? That's simple. Martha before dinner, Mary after dinner. (laughs) Not a million things. Bring it back to one thing. I actually believe the word of the Lord for some people here today. Look at me. You've overcomplicated your life. You've got too many things going on, and you've lost the joy. And even even sometimes church can almost be an interruption to how busy you've made your life. The moment that happens, you need to bring it all back to the psalmist. This one thing I seek to be in his house. Can anybody say amen? Amen. Listen to what Jesus said about this idea. And he's explaining about a parable he told. And I'm going to break right into the middle of the parable just to bring out this one thought. Still others speaking about this parable. Like seed sown among thorns. Hear the word, but worries or the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires, watch this, for other things. Did you hear it? The deceitfulness of wealth, the worries of this life, the desire for other things have come and have choked the word, making it unfruitful. When other things are more important in your life, than the word. Come on. I I just believe God's speaking to us today about if we were to bring our life back to one thing, what would it be? We get distracted with too much. I love that scripture, better a living dog than a dead lion. And I've met some people who've got too many, listen to this, worldly worries. And I'm talking about Christians. And they've got too many worldly worries. They worry about their calling. Where should I go to college? Can I tell you, if it's in your heart to go to college, and I'm going to say this, some of you won't like it, but college is not for everyone. Amen? And even that can become a worry because now you've got all these college debts because you're trying to go off to the college that you think you should go to and sometimes even your parents want you to go to. I think to myself, it's not, whether, it's not what college you went to, it's whether you went to college. And I actually think you ought to really be open to the idea of going to a community college the first two years and then save a whole bucket load of money and then go off to whatever college you want to go to. And are you ready for this one? I don't even know that you've always got to go away to college. 
Why would you at that age leave your family, your home, your accountability, your friends, everything that you know is familiar, and to be thrown into a post-secular, anti-Christian educational environment that is destroying people's faith and ruining people's lives? Oh, no, it comes back to this one thing. Did you get your degree? What does it profit a person that gets the degree and they lose their salvation? Come on, somebody. I wonder what the distraction could be. Some of us worry about how much money we turned over. We got to turn over more money in our company. I always think, it's not are you turning more money over? Are you making more money? Amen? Some business people understand what I'm saying. It's not like, well, if you turned over 10 million last year, and maybe next year you turned over 20 million, but you made a million dollar profit, that's a good thing. Amen? But if you turn over 10 million and you make a $10,000 profit, some of you have to think that through. And we get distracted about our measurement of what we think is successful. We think about my partner. We think about money. We think about comparisons. We think about popularity. But David said, and some of us, this is all that matters. This means more to us than the one thing that David talked about. Come on, somebody. So I keep saying this. This is the real thing you should be doing. Where do I want to be in five to 10 years? And what decisions are going to help me be happy and healthy in five to 10 years? Come on, somebody. And I want to be in a healthy church, not a perfect church. I'm going to warn you now, if you're new to Wave Church, I'm going to tell you now, there are no perfect people allowed in Wave Church. Amen? And if you think you are perfect, would you please show us how spiritual you are and fly around the room? There are no perfect people here. Can anybody say amen? Amen. All right, I'm going to try that again. There are no perfect people here. Can anybody say amen? I think about that. I think about my family. Where do I want that to be? I want to be somewhere where I'm celebrated, not tolerated. Same thing you hear that about your job. I want to be somewhere where I feel like I could be making a difference. I want to make sure that I'm serving people. Can you say amen? Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. And I love that because it's not just forgetting the past failures, but it's also forgetting about past success. Because too many of us can try and live our life trying to recreate the success of the past, but God wants to do something new. It's got to be faithful in every day. I love when God spoke to Moses and he said, Moses, today I want water to flow out of the rock, but today I want you to strike the rock and water will flow. So Moses does what the Lord tells him. He strikes the rock and water flows out of the, out of the rock and the whole country was literally saved from dehydration. And then many years later, the same thing happens. There's no water. And so Moses prays to God. He says, what do I do? And God says, listen, today I want you to speak to the rock. What did he say last time? Strike the rock. Today, speak to the rock. Hey, Moses made a mistake that Paul knew not to make. He said, I'm forgetting about my past failures and 
my successes. And what God spoke to me yesterday will not sustain me for today. I've got to hear what God is saying to me today and not just do what he told me to do yesterday. Because yesterday he told me to strike the rock. But today he's telling me to speak to the rock. Do you know what Moses did? He was so angry at the people, he struck the rock. God in his goodness still caused water to flow out of it because the people needed water. But Moses and God had a problem from that day forwards. That decision alone is what kept Moses out of going into the promised land. Some of us, you got to hear from God today and forget about what he told you yesterday and do what he's telling you to do today. Come on, somebody, give the Lord a hand. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to the things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling that is in Christ Jesus. I love it because to me, I just really feel like here's my first challenge to us in this message. What's the one thing? What is it you need to declutter your life with? Is your one thing the same thing as a psalmist here? That I may be found in the house of the Lord, that I may see his glory fill the temple. This one thing I know, God is for me. Some of us are more fixated on the stock market. This one thing I know, I know, I know what the Nikai Dow is. I know what the FTSE 100 is. I know what my bank account is. I know what the projections are in toward my retirement, the college funds, and we can fixate on all those things. We can be Martha instead of Mary, and we can get distracted with too many things. Come on, somebody. I'm speaking to someone here today, and I want to say, what's your one thing? But then I want to just talk to you about one other thought. Listen to Psalm 84. Bringing this word one, but adding another word to it. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. Did you hear it? Better is one day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. Better to be in the house of God than to be at the Super Bowl where the Jets might by some miracle win in Jesus' name. Some of us, our idols, we have laid a hold of things that are more important to us than the house of God. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. I love this thought. Better is one day. I wonder whether we really go after what's better. And actually to know what's better is one day in your house, oh God, is better than a thousand anywhere else. So I'm thinking about that as a leader about the pastor of Wave Church, about making sure, and I don't often, listen to me, I very, very rarely preach sermons out of my devotional life. I very intentionally tried to separate my devotional life from my preaching sermon research. Let me explain that to you. Sometimes I used to read the Bible, and God said to me, stop reading my word for sermons. God said, I want to speak to you. 
And what I speak to you is between you and me. Now, what I give to you to bring to the church sometimes flows out of that devotional life. But I've deliberately, but this is one of those moments when I felt like God really, out of my recent devotional studies, felt like it's a word for all of us. Sometimes when we hear a message, we hear a prophecy, we always think, oh, that's good for someone else. And I always think, God, when you speak to me, the very first thing I'm going to ask, is this for me? Do I need to hear this? Because so we so quickly want to give it to someone else. And we can miss that God's trying to speak to us. But this is something, as God was challenging me, I felt like it was a word for our church. And I just want you to think about this. Better one day in your house. I wonder how many people here aspire to be a leader in the house of God. Or whether do you look at the house of God as a means of learning how to be a better leader to be more successful in life. Don't get me wrong. I, I actually think being in the house of God, we will become better leaders in life. But don't use the church to get out of it what you want. Come on, somebody. Don't use it. I remember one time that this guy came to church years and years ago back in Australia when Amway was big. I remember Amway. And he was a guy that was aspiring. Uh, and Amway can have some amazing success results of people who've done very, very well in Amway. Selling, what, I don't even know what they sell. Is it Tupperware? What is it? I don't know. What does Amway sell? Anybody know? This is your opportunity if you're an Amway dealer to tell me because <laughs> I honestly don't know. Whatever it is, and this guy was told if he goes to church, he'll make more friends and he'll have more access to people to sell his product. So the only reason he went to church was to actually make more friends. Funnily enough, he went to high school with my brother. And so he went to church and something really awesome happened. He actually became a Christian. And then he started having these parties. And I had to ring him up and say, buddy, I'm hearing you're, having, you're starting a Bible study and you're inviting people over to your house for a Bible study and all you're doing is selling Amway. He goes, yes. I said, you can't do that. And nor should you do that. And that is using your position of leadership to profit yourself and you're misleading people as to the invitation. If you want to invite people over to have an Amway party, have an Amway party. But don't call it a Bible study. It's very quiet here this morning. I wonder what's better for us. Better one day in your house. What's that one day look like? I'll never forget the one day I walked into church. And I was told to go to church or I'd be beaten up by a guy who was a professional boxer. And he was one week a Christian. And he didn't know that's not how you witness to people. And I didn't think that day was better. I didn't want to go to church. Little did I know that one day would change the trajectory of my life. And I want to say this to me. Look at me. None of us, none of us should ever think that God or the church owes us. We owe him everything. Can you say amen? I want to be a, a better a leader. I want to be a better leader in God's house. 
And I want everyone here to aspire to be that kind of person. Not only do I want to be a better leader, but I want to be a better learner. Do you know one of the best ways to be more interesting? You ever thought, I need to be more interesting. I need to be a better conversationalist. You ever think that? My wife, she's amazing. By the way, she's down at Seaboard. We're still married, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And, and, and my wife, I'll walk up to somebody after church, and I'll walk up, and this is what I'll do. Hey, how's it going? And, you know, they'll say, oh, good. I say, well, what's happened? Everything good in life? Yeah, man. Everything's great. I said, awesome. We'll talk for a few minutes. I'll move on. Sharon, five minutes later, will walk up, unbeknownst to her, to the same person, and Sharon will just sit down with them. Hi. <laughs> and they go, hi. Sharon goes, how are you? And they go, it's been a rough week. And they just start pouring out their life. And then Sharon will say, she doesn't break confidences, but then she'll go, oh man, that person, their husband lost their job, their kid's sick, and they got this going on. And I went, who? And I go, I just talked to them five minutes ago. I want that skill. I want to be a better learner of people, a better conversationalist. And one of the best ways you can be more interesting, are you ready for it? Is have more interest. Amen? I want to be a better learner. How about you? Why? Because I want better one day in your house. There's one thing I know. I want to be a better reader. I want to be a better servant. I want to be a better communicator. I want to be a better follower of Jesus. I want to be, have a better devotional life in prayer and the Word. Why? Because one day in your house, oh God, is better than a thousand anywhere else. So I'm just asking, are we going after what's really better in life? Is that really what we're going after? Are we pursuing the things that ultimately are going to end up choking us and the worries of this world? Hey, I want to be in a better financial position. Anybody else? But God's not my money. Money's not my God. That came out wrong, didn't it? Amen. I want to be in a better position. Sharon and I, by the grace of God, in a couple of years, we'll be debt-free on our mortgage. Praise the Lord for that. And I want to be, and I, I've got a financial plan, and I'm working toward my financial plan. And I want to be able at one point in my life in about 20 years to be able to retire. Praise the Lord. Are you hearing me? So I've got a financial plan. But let me tell you something. All of that is found if I understand one day in your house of God is better than a thousand anywhere else. Listen to what the Bible says, Psalm 37, verse 16. Ah, better the little that the righteous have than the wealth of many wicked. Better the little the righteous have than the wealth of many wicked. Listen to Psalm Proverbs 12. Better to be a nobody and yet have a servant than to pretend to be somebody and have no food. Listen to this one. This is probably the most challenging scripture throughout the course of my life. If there's a scripture that has challenged me at every decade of my Christianity, it's this one. And it challenges me on a whole new level. 
Proverbs 16, verse 32. Better a patient person than a warrior. One with self-control than one who can take a city. Better a patient person than a warrior. Now, I've met some warriors. I've met some boxing warriors. I've met some MMA warriors. I've met a lot of military warriors. But the Bible says, better a patient person than a warrior. But put, two, put these two thoughts together. What if you're a patient person and a warrior? That's even better again. Every now and again, I meet them. I remember one time I was with this Navy SEAL. He's a really cool guy. And we were at a gun range, and he was shoot, teaching me how to shoot a gun. Target shooting. And so the guy who was in the gun range had, I don't know, just too big of an ego. And this guy, this SEAL obviously knows what he's doing. He's teaching me, listen to this, you know that game horse in basketball? You know, when you, if you, you they got, someone's got to shoot it from wherever they're standing, and if they get it in, then you've got to stand where they shot it, and if you miss it, you get the letter H, and then they shoot from another position, and if they get it and you miss it, you get the letter O till you spell the word horse. We played that with bullet holes. He shot his gun through a target about 25 feet away, and then said to me, you've got to put your bullet through my bullet hole. And I looked at him and said, I don't think I can hit the paper. <laughs> and this guy was showing me, he goes, let me show you how to do it. And he shot a bullet through the paper. And then he shot another bullet straight through the bullet hole. I thought he deliberately missed the paper and pretended. And I said, no, no, you didn't really put that through there. He goes, I'll put a bullet right next to the hole there to prove to you I did. And he did. I said, how'd you do that? And then he taught me how to do it. Now, what he did do was he left his gun case at the back of the room so nobody would trip on it. And this guy walked in and tore strips off of this, yelled at him profusely, abusively. I'm thinking, you poor, dumb Man, you don't know who you're yelling at. And I watched this seal stand there and let him berate him. He stood there and goes, yes, I'm sorry. I'll never do that again. I'm getting angry for my friend. You don't know who you're talking to. You, this man could snap you. And then after he left, I said, why did you put up with that? He looked at me, he goes, if you let them get to you, you don't know what it is to have control of your temper. He goes, I can't afford to let that happen. I can't afford to snap. Look at the, look at one more time. Look, better. I want you to look at this. Do we have it? A there we go. Better a patient person than a warrior. What if you can put those two together? And then I love this. And one with self-control, then he who can take a city. You may take a city, but if you can control yourself, you're better. Come on, somebody say amen. Give the Lord a hand if you're going to do it. Come on. 
And I want to close out with this thought because I love the wisdom of Solomon. He's my favorite when it comes to understanding what's better. Do you know he literally turned himself into a human project? Because he was the wisest man in the world and he thought he would actually test and experience all the, success, all the excesses of life to figure out what's better in life. And he went after this pursuit of learning on behalf of mankind because he had wisdom, nothing like anyone's ever had before or since other than Jesus. And he thought, I will become a human experiment and I will deny myself no pleasure. I will deny myself nothing that my eye sees. And so you go on and read in Ecclesiastes how he built these empires and gardens and had success beyond words and beyond measure. And it was incredible. And at the end of his life, this is the conclusion. In Ecclesiastes 2 verse 24, a person can do nothing better. Watch this. You ready for it? Than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own job. So what he's saying is, get a job, eat and drink, and find satisfaction, and you can do nothing better. But we're always trying to chase the next thing, and we're always going after something else, and we never find satisfaction where we are because we always think the grass is greener somewhere else. And here is Solomon, the wisest man in all the world, and he goes, you've got to find satisfaction in today. Come on, there's great wisdom in it. For this too I see is from the hand of God. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 6. Better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. I want to have a better marriage. I want to be a better parent. I want to be a better grandparent. I want to be a better neighbor. I want to be a better worshiper. I want to be in better physical condition. I've been working hard on that for almost two years now. Four days a week, I'm in the gym. They still harass me in the gym. Steve, let me train you. Leave me alone. I don't want to look like you. I just want to be able to chase my grandchildren. I'm 60. I'm just fighting deterioration. I just want to be strong. I was able to go to Ireland and walk 20,000 steps a day for four days. I didn't know you couldn't have a golf cart. But I thank God at the end of it, I felt strong. I want to be in better physical condition. I want to be a better encourager. I want to have a better mind. I want a better social life. I'm happy with the one I got, but I want it to be better. And let me close out by saying this. The past isn't better. And some of you need to hear this. Exodus 14. Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die here in the desert. Ecclesiastes, here's Solomon. And he says, do not say, why were the old days better than these? For it is not wise to ask such questions. I'm going to preach a sermon on questions that aren't wise to ask. Listen to it one more time. Listen to it. Do not say, 
Why were the old days better than these? It's not wise to ask such questions. And let's be honest, they weren't that better. Come on, somebody. Matthew 5. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. Do we go after what's better with a biblical context to it? Do we distract ourselves with too many things? And I love this last one, and I'm done. Hebrews 11, verse 4. You ready for this one? You ready for this one? By faith, Abel brought to God a better offering than Cain did. God compared offerings. God looked at what he gave, and he looked at what he gave, and he goes, you gave a better offering. I wonder when God looks at your offering, does God look at it and consider it to be better? It's very quiet. And how did he do it? By faith. It says, by faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he's dead. Well, you all know the story. Most of you do. Cain, the Bible says, gave God his leftovers. In other words, he worked out his taxes. He worked out his retirement, worked out his mortgage payment, worked out his car payment. And then out of what was left, he said, now, what will I give to God? Abel, the Bible says, said, God, you're first. Before I consider anything, here's the first fruit. Everything else comes after. I wonder whether we could all determine today, how many want God's better on your finances? I wonder if we can determine today, only the back section, you're the most Christian people. See, you are closer to God up there because nobody on the floor lifted a hand there. How many want to see God wants God's best and better for your finances? Let me see. Amen. I challenge us today. Let's make sure we just go after one thing and we pursue, according to the Bible, what he says is better. Do you receive that word? Come on, do you receive that word?